This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Ben Benintendi, Willie Adamas. With his first big league hit, it's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. And welcome to our latest show. Today we'll chat with Rodney Linares about his role as third base coach and infield instructor. Mark Tompkin will join us from Toronto to talk about the week gone by. We'll go around the minors with Mitch Lukovich and Durham manager Brady Williams. Plus, we'll introduce you to new mental skills coach Justin Sua. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our featured guest this week is the new third base coach of the Rays, Rodney Linares. And Rodney, first of all, thanks for joining us. We make so much about players in their first opening day and things like that and opening day was so special for you can you tell us what it was like to stand on the lines for the first time in the major leagues as a coach uh it was a surreal it was a you know it was a moment that i'm going to share for the rest of my life uh you know it's been a long long journey for me as a player coach manager in the minor leagues for so long to get this opportunity, especially at this ballpark and the setting, it, it was, I can't express it in words. 20 plus years um, in all those facets, what stands out? What, what are you, is going to stick in your mind in terms of what you remember seeing, hearing, feeling? Uh, just being a kid, you know, from Dominican, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the sugarcane fields, playing out there and, and knowing that the path uh, that I took to get to the big leagues. It took a long time, but it was something that I would never do anything differently. Like, it was everything that happened happened for a reason. And, you know, again, it was just like, it was still kind of shocking at this moment. So, was it weird the fact that it was against Houston and you spent so many time, so much time with the Astros organization? Here it is, the first game, first series, and it's against that same organization. Well, I would say it was it was meant to be. You know, it was kind of meant to be. So, you know, I was I was so happy uh, with all the guys, the support I got from from them, and uh, you know, all the calls that I got when I got the job, and all the calls that I got when it was like it, we're going to play the first series, we're going to be all over you. You know, so I, w- I was really happy and excited about that. You were a part of the growth of so many of those kids who want help win a World Series, whether it's Alex Bregman or Carlos Correa or Jose Altuve, on and on. Who were who you tightest with over there, and, and why could you tell maybe something about the relationship that you built with them in the minor leagues? Well, if I say one, somebody's going to get upset. <laughs> so, you, you know, and, and anyone from, you know, Jose to Carlos Bregman, Kemp, 
Tyler White, you know, all those kids. That, you know, I, I think what, what really stood out with me was that they knew that I was bested in their career and there was no hidden agenda, and I was there to try to help them and support them. And, you know, we stayed good. Uh, they always call. They always text. Uh, they reach out through social media, and, you know, it's special. It's something that uh, you create over the years. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, I spend many, 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 many bus rides talking to the guys and kind of explaining uh, how the process worked and all that, and you know they put in the work, so you know all the credit goes to them. But but again, you create those uh, uh, relationships just through time, and and they 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 see in that what you're talking about works, and you know hopefully that's something that we can do here for a long time in Tampa, and you know we can create some memories here too. You mentioned texts. How many texts did you get after your first game? And was there were there any that really stuck out, whether it was family, friends, or what have you? Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot on social media, a lot of uh, uh, pictures, a lot of... Uh, but the one that really stood out was my mom. My mom texted me, and she was like, I'm really proud of you. So that, that one stood out. Now, she is where right now? Because I know you've got family in the Dominican. You've got family in the States, too, right? Yes, yes, yes. The bulk of my family is in, they're scattered around New York. The, so when we go up to play the Yankees, it's going to be fun. But my mom right now, she's in Dominican. And again, you know, she texted me. And when she said that, I kind of like got me to tears. And, you know, it was it was double tears because we lost. So I wasn't very happy about that. But cool to see what the guys go and to hear the vibe in the dugout. It was it was amazing. I'm curious as to it's a short period, spring training, start of a homestand. But how similar and maybe different you notice between the two organizations, the Rays and Astros, because Charlie Morton seemed to think there were a lot of similarities in terms of young talent, in terms of the quality of the people, those types of things. Do you see the same? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt that the the crossover and and you know over here it was so easy just because of that, because of familiarity of you know the way they work and you know we're all about we're analytically driven and and but. Uh, Again, the quality of people here, the one thing that uh, stood out for me was, you know, uh, the way Cash handles his staff and the way he, he integrates with the minor league staff kind of reminded me of what A.J. did over there in Houston. But, you know, Cash has known all these guys for so long, and, you know, I was, I'm was i like the, the, the new guy around, and, you know, they, they welcome me with open arms, and, you know, it's it's been really fun. Did you talk at all to many guys? For instance, Charlie Montoyo is now the manager of the Blue Jays, and he was the bench coach and prior to that third base coach. Did you talk to him or any other guys who had been on his staff before uh, to get a feel? No, I actually I talked to a couple of people within the organization that, that were still in the organization. And you know, Bobby Heck, I knew Bobby from my time with Houston. Uh, uh, couple of other guys that from Dominican, Arturo de Freitas, uh, who runs the Dominican Academy uh, program down there. Uh, we, we've worked together in Houston. We've worked together in winter ball. And, you know, just the, they, they just keep the, the word quality, you know, kept coming around, you know, quality individuals, quality people, quality organization, amazing the way they treat the staff. And, you know, it was something that when you're walking into a situation like I walked in, like, you know, I'm, I'm walking in at 545 in the morning and there's nobody at the field. I'm like, did they did something wrong, you know, the first couple of days. And then, you know, just seeing the way Cash ran spring training, I thought it was awesome. And then, you know, two games into the season, I, you know, they make you feel like part of the family.
It is a nice family here. Rodney Lenoris, again, raised new third base coach and uh, works with the infielders, too. And I want to get to both of those in terms of responsibilities. Obviously, when you manage throughout the minor leagues, you're coaching third a lot. What makes a good third base coach? And what is the hardest adjustment in terms of learning all of the outfielders, the parks that you think is going to be the greatest challenge in this? I think you hit on it. I think it's it's knowing the outfielders, doing your work. I think being a good third base coach, you know, we're not going mostly on gut nowadays. It's more analytic driven. Like I said, you know, you got so much video, you got so much information out there that, that you know, makes for coming in during the series and, you know, just getting your work done. Uh, making sure you have good communication with the players, making sure you know who are the guys that can score easily from second, making sure who are the guys that can make it. Uh, you know, there's certain guys that can score easily from second on a base hit, but they have trouble scoring from first on a double just based on the fact that they're not so good on their way but in short bursts. Uh, so knowing all of that, so, you know, going through spring training kind of like opened my eyes to some of the stuff uh, with the guys. And, you know, we're not going to – we're not going to uh, – not make mistakes we're going to make mistakes but i think we're going to learn from the mistakes but again it's all about <clears throat> being prepared just watching a lot of video just knowing who the outfield is uh knowing who's good going to the right going to the left and sometimes you just gotta go like mm-hmm. i tell the guys we're gonna score we're gonna try to score and we're gonna try to go so they gotta make a good throw and they gotta catch the ball how helpful is cuban really really helpful uh i think He's always, uh, uh, it's one of those things, it's like a community. When you're a third base coach, uh, especially for me being my first time in the big leagues, you know, it's it's, because nobody knows what goes on over there. (laughs) You know, nobody knows how isolated you are, especially when somebody gets thrown out. Like, you're the last person that wants, uh, you never want to get a guy thrown out. It's going to happen, but... You know, uh, but you also feel good when you make the right call, when you make the right decision. So he's been instrumental. He, he, we talk a lot. We talked about, he's showing me some video, giving me notes. We talked about the parks. We talked about different things to do when we go outside of Tropicana. And, you know, the first game here, uh, the exhibition game against Toronto, we were talking about how, how the, the, the corners played and so it is so tough to score guys from first with uh, double down the left field line because of the way it caroms off the wall and all 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 those things. So he's been he's been awesome. He's been awesome, and you know I come in every day uh, and we we have always have that little five minute talk about stuff that happened last night and and you know what to expect the next day. And you work with the infielders too, and I think it doesn't seem to matter where guys play. They all seem to make plays. Um, and what makes to you a good infielder? What makes it a, a guy who produces uh, defensively? Well, these guys are good, you know. So they made they made my job really easy. So, but these guys are good. They got good hands. They got good feet, which is like the the fundamental of being a good infielder. They again, you know, and most of these guys have rockets for arms. So, you know. Uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be some mistakes, especially from the younger guys. But I think overall we we have, if not the best, one of the best infields in all of baseball. It, does, it it doesn't matter who plays, you know. You got Joey Wendell, who's probably one of the best second basemen in the game. You know, you got the young Adamas. You know, Adamas got tools of the yin yang. I tell him every day. I'm like, it's it's just a matter of maturing as a as a player. Uh, but maturity takes time. So, you know, that's the one thing that, that I preach to the guys that we don't try to rush. But again, you know, you got Yandi. Uh, Yandi's so big and strong, but he's out he's also really agile and he's got really good hands. And you know, I heard a lot about G Man Choi before coming here and I had G Man in Winterball 
in 2014 in Dominican, and he was he was an up and coming. He was just new to the first base. He had just stopped catching and playing some outfield, but you know he, they come out and they do the work every day. We have some some drills and stuff, and you know we have the uh, the, the second baseman. We have uh, well, yeah, we have Bilal. Uh, you know he's he's the first couple of days in spring training uh, were rough at first base, uh, learning a new position. And you're learning a new position in the big leagues. That's not easy to do. He's gotten 100 times better. Uh, so, you know, I expect him to go out there and be a, a quality, not only a second baseman, but also a quality first baseman. I think one of the things I've heard from the infielders about you that stood out, and, and I've heard many guys say this, he cares. He said it's obvious he cares. And that's not something you can you can fake right off the bat. And I would assume that's kind of the reputation you've wanted to grow through your years in this game. Yeah. You know, again, if you don't have an agenda with the guys and you come out, I, t- I told them the first day of spring training, you guys tell me what you need. I need to learn you guys. You need to learn me. I'm going to see things. I'm going to I'm going to suggest things. But ultimately, I want you to be comfortable. And they've been really, really good at all the drills that we've thrown out there. Uh, you know, we start doing racquetball drills with different colors and different things, and they, you know, they start buying into it. And and I've I've, I've told them time after time, I'm like, if you're not comfortable doing something, I'm not. I don't want you. I don't want to think I'm trying to embarrass you. But you, I, I have a saying. I always say, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable in order to be good. Uh, and they've they've, you know, they come out every day, and it's the energy they bring out. It's it's amazing. And obviously it, it leads to results over the course of time, too. The other thing that I notice is you, you blend in very well with the group. I see you, you know, I see you, I see Ozzy, I see guys playing dominoes in the, in the clubhouse. How important is that to, to build those relationships on and off the field? I think that's, that's everything. I, I, you know, for the most part, I'm really quiet. I'm, I'm really a, a quiet person, but these guys, for some reason, you know, they bring out that little bit of uh, uh, crazy in me. You know, I, they, they, they're so good. They want to, every day it's like they go to the office. They're like, you ready to play dominoes? You ready to do this? You ready to do that? So it's a fun group again, you know, and Ozzy makes it even 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 easier for me. He's made it even easier for me. He, you know, he not only welcomed me with open arms, but he told me a lot of the things that to expect and all that. So, you know, I, I can't say enough about not only the group, but the coaches, the way they've been and, and what they've done. But yeah, you know, you have to bond with your guys. You, they, you have they they need to they need to be able to trust you. And if they trust you, you got them. Like the, all you need is trust in this game. In order to hit, you got to trust yourself. In order to pitch, you got to trust your stuff. In order to coach, you got to trust yourself. So if they trust you, everything is easy. Well, uh, I would assume though you're going to trust Ozzy to do the push-up still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told him. I said, yeah, I can't. I, I can't go out there and do them because I got to move the defense and stuff. Because our defensive metric uh, uh, charts are, are a little complex, and I might lose some in there. But yeah, he'll he'll do his push-ups. So I told him my goal is for him to do 50 every day. So we need to score five runs a game. So. Well, welcome to the family. Hopefully there's plenty of those push-ups for Ozzy to do, and we certainly appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thank you, man. That's Rodney Lenoris, again, Ray's new third base coach. We continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. It has been a long trip, but a successful one so far. The Rays at 6-2, and two. joining me to talk about it from Toronto. is I'm sure a guy who's probably a little road-weary at this point. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks very much for joining us. Anytime. You'll always have time for you. Tell me this, how much of a surprise is the 11-4 and four start? I mean, 
I looked at the first 16 games, and I was thinking if they're 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, and seven after the 4-13 and 13 start they had last year, it probably would be considered a pretty good beginning for them. And here they have a chance today to go to 12-4. and four. Absolutely, Neil. And you know, I think you know, the focus was on getting off to a quick start, obviously a better start than last year. The two playoff teams coming into the trop to open the season with the Astros and Rockies. You know, maybe put a little more focus on that even, made it, you know, a bigger question. And then obviously the Rays with success there after opening day. And then to go on the road. And, and you know, not to not to get this twisted here. I mean, the Giants and White Sox are obviously not among the better teams. But just mm-hmm. the rigors of the first trip being to San Francisco, being under nationally rules, obviously. And, and even, you know, kind of the overarching theme of, you know, the first game against Evan Longoria. There, there were a lot of things going into that. But the Rays played well there. They obviously played well in Chicago, uh, sweeping a White Sox team that you know kind of should be swept. I mean, if you're a contending team like the Rays, you have to beat up on teams like that. And then coming in here and you know hanging on Friday night, and then you know losing a tough game yesterday. But like you say, a chance to come out of this uh, with a 12 and 4 record, a chance even more importantly, Neil, to win the first five series. I mean, that's an old baseball credo, but winning every series is usually a recipe and a, and a formula for success. No question. What, I mean, obviously there have been a lot of superlatives in the first 15 games to this point. What has stood out the most to you? Oh, unquestionably, your pre- and post-game shows. <laughs> but really. I mean, that's clearly been the highlight. Yeah. Um, no, look, I mean, Austin Meadows, you know, right now he's MVP of the world, so he's obviously stood out to me. The quality of the pitching overall, um, you know, we talked about there's no set closer. They seem to handle the back of the games pretty good. We talked about Tyler Glass now having a miserable spring. Nobody had had a, a spring that bad statistically in like over 10 or 15 years for any player. Comes out, he's 3-0 with an ERA of, what, 0.52. So he's been really, really good. Brandon Lau, who Kevin Cash yesterday officially deemed the elf on the shelf, mm-hmm. uh, obviously showing his power. So there's definitely been some surprises. I mean, I think Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now would stand out to me uh, both, and they both happen to come in the same trade for that Chris Archer guy. You know, and, and that gets to a, a story you wrote today in Ray's Tales, which is this roster real versus Imagine. The Imagine one, if they didn't make trades, if they uh, just went with their draft picks and their international signs. Um, and obviously, the roster that they've put together, to me, is significantly better, as much fun as I'm sure that exercise was. Well, it was, and, and obviously your help on that was greatly appreciated, but just the idea of being able to, you know, to look at that and say, what if you couldn't make trades, you couldn't sign guys, you went with what you had, and it reflects on the incredible pitching that the Rays accumulated over the last few years. You could run a staff out right there right now, and I have it in today's Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. That would be among the best in baseball. The starting staff was really good, and the bullpen even better. I mean, there's, what, four closers in there at mm-hmm. least. Uh, but the position player side would be a little thin, and, and that, I think, speaks you know, and reflects accurately on where the Rays were over the last five or six years in terms of not drafting well or even going back maybe seven, eight years, not drafting well, not having those position players. They've since corrected that. Their farm system now recognizes one of the top three to five in the game if, and maybe even trajectory uh, for better. But you know, it would be tough piecing that team together. Some of the guys you see out there now obviously would be part of that, such as a Brandon Lau. Yes, and we'll be talking with Mitch Lukovic about the farm system in a little bit. Um, in terms of you know this series itself, it's been the first of many that we're going to see Kevin Cash opposite a guy who was his bench coach and his third base coach, and for a bit there in Charlie Montoyo. Uh, you've got to see it up close. So, what's been most enjoyable about watching these two have fun with one another and also face off in terms of in their dugouts? Yeah, it's been kind of interesting, and obviously they both talked about you a lot and, and you know sent their best wishes. 
as far <laughs> as the strategy, it's been curious to see, you know, we were questioning, it would one know what the other was doing more or less? And, you know, there hasn't been anything blatant, but there have been some small, subtle things. And, you know, yesterday, for example, you know, the way the Blue Jays were positioned when the Rays were trying to rally, taking with the uh, potential for a squeeze bunt at one point. Some of the bullpen moves, Cash changed his lineup before Friday's game. He wanted to split his righty-lefty combinations because he knew Montoya would have the chance to bring in one of the lefties to try to sweep through two or three hitters if he clumped them. So there have been a few small things like that. And, you know, obviously the storyline yesterday was more about when Blake Snell came out of the game. So I'm sure if nothing else, Charlie was really happy Kevin made that decision. Yes. Um, I actually was probably more surprised, was it uh, his previous start or two starts ago when he ended up going seven innings because I had heard they were going to manage workloads and limit um, outings and obviously played out yesterday. I mean, he only went six. Charlie hasn't gone more than six. They've limited the starts of Tyler Glass now. I, I, I get it in a lot of regards because Blake has never made more than 31 starts and he was on the deal last year and Charlie was on the deal last year. There's not what you would call, as good as their farm system is, there's no replacement for those two guys. Well, sure, and, and those are two elite-level pitchers, obviously. And, and, you know, this is a decision that obviously, you know, with this plan we will talk about going throughout the whole season. And, you know, look, if the Rays were to miss the playoffs by one game, mm-hmm. yesterday's game would be something that gets brought up quite a bit because, you know, they were in a position to win. They made a picture, a decision based on the bigger picture. You know, talking to Kyle Snyder afterward, he said, you know, they, they wanted to manage him because he went 100 the last two times, Blake Snell. They're trying to win. He said, you know, the marathon, not the sprint. He referenced that, you know, they want to keep these guys fresh for October. Well, you know, is it wise to do that? Sure. But is it wise to be thinking of October when you have a chance to win a game in April? That's probably subject to a little bit of conversation and debate. And, you know, I will say this. Blake Snell, and, and I think I've been around him enough and players enough to know when they're saying what they think they're supposed to say or what they're saying when they're saying what they mean, Neil. And I think Blake Snell was very sincere and genuine yesterday in saying he understood this decision and he is 100% you know, sold, sold uh, off on and buying into what Kyle Snyder says. He has faith in Kyle Snyder. And look, what Kyle Snyder did last year, the plan that he laid out for Blake, even with the couple-week stint on what was then the DL, and then you know having to be limited a couple times when he came back from that, he did have a pretty good year, and he did win the Cy Young, so I could see why he'd buy into whatever Kyle Snyder suggests. Yeah, certainly there's a, there's a, a tremendous amount of trust, and I would argue to this point, I mean, some certainly were wondering, okay, after the first start against Houston, you know, is there any hangover of the offseason in the Cy Young? But through four starts, small sample size, but he's been better. First pitch strikes, swings and misses. I mean, he's been more dominant now than he was the early part of last year. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, you could if you want to even layer that a little more, is that teams are ready for him. They know he's really good. They are fired up when they face him, whereas last year, you know, it was a little bit more of a question. Is, is he going to continue what he did at the end of 17, or is he going to revert back and – now teams know. I mean, he's matched up with top starters. They know they're facing the signing award winner. There's a little bit of that target on him. So to that side, I think he's done well. Now the other thing that you know, we will probably further discuss, depending on how this season unfolds for Blake Snell, is the very light workload in spring training and the very limited amount of time he faced major league hitters. You know, I think the only residual of that to this point has been that's probably part of the reason they've been a little more cautious mm-hmm. with the pitch counts, that he went 100 the previous two. And Kyle Snyder said, you know, he was pretty much locked in on 685 max for yesterday anyway. Now, they didn't tell us that, of course, because they didn't want that out there. They didn't want the Blue Jays to know that. But if that was their plan, in a way, they deserve credit for having the discipline to stick to it because that was a game where your emotions and your competitiveness would easily take over and you would have left him in. Now, Cash did allow that if uh, Luke Maley hadn't, 
wrapped that single and Blake still had the no-hitter, he might have left him go back out there. So I guess in that case, all the other stuff goes out the window because you say he's got a chance to get the no-hitter. I don't know. Well, I guess uh, we'll never know because we didn't get to that point, but certainly uh, it's played out as a good trip so far. We'll see if it turns out to be a great trip today. Mark, thanks for a few minutes from Toronto today. Anytime, Neil. Can't wait to see you on Tuesday. Sounds good. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Before we continue, let us pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball. Let's turn now to the minor league side where the Rays are about eight to ten games in, depending on the club, into their seasons. Joining me with some perspective, a man who's been there from the beginning, Director of Minor League Operations, Mitch Lukovic, who joins us from Montgomery, where he's watching the AA Biscuits. Mitch, thanks for a few minutes. Good morning, Neil. It's good morning here in Montgomery time, 11 a.m. Hope all is well with you. It is, and, and certainly I appreciate you coming on um, at the early hour. You guys have had a lot of changes on the minor league side that we haven't spoke about a ton. Um, obviously with uh, Rocco Baldelli and Charlie Montoyo, obviously now with Toronto and, and a number of other changes, you've got new managers in, in the top three levels. You've got a new field coordinator, a new catching coordinator. How well did you feel with a lot of the changes coming out of camp now that you got to see guys in their new roles? Well, first, we lost a lot of senior leadership uh, in in this transition. We feel really good about hiring Morgan Ensberg. I'm here in Montgomery, and you can see, you know, he has a lot of major league playing experience, and he's a consummate teacher. Same with Jeff Smith and and Charlotte, former first base coach and longtime Minnesota twin, another consummate teacher. You know, it's hard to pick up the pieces when you lost what we lost, but we feel really good with Brady getting the opportunity in AAA so well-deserved and getting some very experienced baseball guys in Morgan and in Jeff Smith. And we're going to hear from Brady in a little bit on the AAA side. One thing that is different in AAA beyond the fact that you've got a, a new manager there is this is the first year that they're using Major League Baseball's at the AAA level, it's always been a different baseball for the minors versus the majors. How helpful is that for you guys from an evaluation standpoint to judge guys when now they're on, I would say, more of a level playing field, at least from a pitcher standpoint? There, there's no question about it. Most of those guys are used to pitching with major league balls. They're all in major league spring training. Now you go to Durham where last year you had minor league balls, this year major league balls. There's a big difference. Those balls, major league balls, fly what I hear about 30% farther. Um, mm. We've had a tough adjustment so far um, this season. You can't make excuses. you got to make adjustments uh, to a new ball, uh, a new uh, surrounding, sort of say, and take on the competition. And we're gonna we're touch on that a little bit with Brady. I want to also hit on you know some of the decisions that you guys had to make at the end of camp in terms of where to put guys. You're in Double A Montgomery. We mentioned Brendan McKay is a guy who had some injuries last year. He finished the year in Charlotte, and you guys elected to move him to Double A Montgomery, where obviously he's still pitching and hitting, DHing this year instead of first base. Um, he obviously has gotten off to a very good start, but what did you guys see in spring training that you felt would allow him to make that jump to double-A this season? Well, first off, Neil, you know he has skill both on the mound and both at the plate, but this young man is as mature as they come. 
He's even killed. There's no high. There's no low. There's no pouting when things go bad. If he if he throws a ball, which is rare, he can come back um, and throw strikes. Um, it's the mental aspect of uh, Brendan's game that's really excellent to go along with the skill of both uh, being a pitcher and a hitter. What did you – the pitching was – Ahead of the hitting last year, results-wise, did he make any? We only get to see a couple at bats in Major League Spring Training. Did he make some pretty good adjustments that you guys saw as a group? Well, he certainly here being here in Montgomery. First off, his his demeanor is is has improved. You know, at first he was a little bit guarded coming in our organization, a very very high picked. He, he's learning new players. He's learning new coaches. I see him more comfortable, having more fun now now than ever. Getting back to the hitting, you can see that swing shorter than it was last year. There were adjustments being made. You see him talking to Jamie Nelson and Steve Henderson yesterday during his rounds of that bat, still working on what he needs to work on. But I think the adjustment is, is both. I see, I see, believe it or not, as I say, he's a very mature person, but he was very guarded and somewhat introverted. And now he's starting to become um, more... Uh, familiar with all of us and more at ease and along with um you know being a little bit short of the ball he's had some really good at bats here while i was in and while i am in montgomery and he certainly pitched a, a banged up game a couple nights ago he did and and the results show that um another kid who's in double a that i want to touch on is a bit younger but also a former top pick josh Lowe. he's gotten off to a great start um we know he has tools. Uh, what what has impressed you so far about Josh's spring? The the one thing about Josh, whether the performance was there or not, he is one of the few high school signs that has it together when he got here. I don't mean that to be demeaning with high school signs, but come on, how were you when you were seventeen? <laughs> Most of them are immature, and it takes you know time for the maturation process to come in. In Josh's case, he had his stuff together from day one. Another young guy that you can't tell if he fails or he succeeds, and the skill is always there. This is a six-foot-four guy, tall, lanky, strong, runs like the wind, bat speed like not too many have. And, and he's here because he has great skill plus how he handles the game mentally. Man, some of these guys can't handle it right away. The game of failure is hard to, to take on, but both with McKay and Josh, you can take this challenge on with them because how they handle the mental game. And your Charlotte group is a lot of kids who won 90 games last year in Bowling Green. They are off to a little bit of a slow start, but the guy who's probably not, maybe one of the more impressive individuals in the system. What's impressed you the most about Vidal Brujan? <laughs> He's a good player, Neil. He's a gamer. He likes to play every day. As you know, he's a switch hitter with skill from both sides, a speed guy, plays second base, a good defender with a good arm. The guys that move them over to shortstop on occasion to give them a different perspective. And, yes, the guys that won 97 games in Bowling Green are, are, are feeling their oats a little bit now at a level higher. Most of our teams from Bowling Green on up you know, we don't have a lot of repeat players. We have guys moving forward. And early, the game's fast for them. The curveball's a little bit sharper from The location of those pitches are a little bit better. Some of these guys get a little shell-shocked. 
and bring him back for Hunt. He's not at all. He's right at home. He has the bat speed, the wherewithal to take on this competition. Most of these young kids in a new level have to catch up, get acclimated, and then their skill should catch up to the league, and the skill should carry them for, forward uh, in the latter part of the season. Speaking of skill, we know how skilled Wander Franco is. What are you hoping for him this year from in Bowling Green? It, it's not easy to play 140 games as an 18-year-old. You know, he's, he's a young, 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 young kid and, and experience, you know, how to play the game. He has great bat ball, the skill, um, uh, skill, Neil. I mean, he's playing in cold weather for the first time. We had a couple issues the other day. Cold weather got the best of this young guy. He has to go through this training period. It's not warm in the northern cities in the big leagues or even in Durham, uh, as you know, being in Durham before coming up to us uh, with the Rays. But it's basic experience taking on this next level. He should handle it, in our opinion, fine. But, you know, there's uh, there's some trials and tribulations to go along with it. But we have every confidence in young Warner that he can handle it without question. Well, we appreciate some time, Mitch. I know that we're going to catch up with you more as uh, we go during the course of the season. Um, uh, enjoy the remaining days that you're in Montgomery, and thanks for joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. Great. Two o'clock game here in Montgomery. Looking forward, and thanks for having me, Neil. Have a great All right, one. Thank- you got it. That is Rays Director of Minor League Operations, Mitch Lukovich. We'll continue in just a moment. This is the Rays Baseball Network. The best game plans keep everyone on the edge of their seats and always end with a sweet victory dance. So when it comes to the perfect game plan for a weekend adventure, Tampa Bay is always the right call. From award-winning craft breweries and hand-rolled Cuban cigars to days out on the water and nights out at the blackjack tables, every trip is a triumph. Start your playbook at visittampabay.com and work on that victory dance. Seriously, everybody loves a great victory dance. Visit Tampa Bay. Countless ideas, endless fun. Make the catch and the Rays win! The Rays get one last dig on the Red Sox. Raise up for a Friday night party with your Rays. Head to your local participating 7-Eleven to pick up a voucher for $7.11 tickets to the game on Friday, April 19th against the Red Sox. Continue saving with $5 Bud and Bud Lights on the Budweiser porch. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash specials for more info. The 2019 season is presented by Tampa General Hospital. Raise up. Get your game on at Game Time, where you always have a front row seat to the action. Game Time, a proud partner of the Tampa Bay Rays, offers fun indoor amusements and a full-service dining experience that the whole family will enjoy. With over 60 TVs throughout the sports bar, it's the perfect place to watch the game while you enjoy cold beer, signature cocktails, and great food. Learn more at GameTimePlayers.com and find a location near you. That's GameTimePlayers.com. Watch it. Play it. Win it. It's Game Time. Catching a game in all 30 pro ballparks. And walking away with a home run ball. Check. Whatever you're getting ready for, come into Supercuts. Supercut stylists pay attention to every detail so you get the haircut you want. And with our signature hot towel finish, you'll walk out feeling clean, sharp, and not just ready, but super ready. Supercuts. Save time by checking in with our mobile app or at supercuts.com. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Let's take a look at the group in AAA Durham. We just heard from Mitch Lukovich. Joining me now, the manager of the Bulls, Brady Williams. Brady, thanks for a few minutes. I know you guys are getting on the field soon. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, good to be on. Appreciate it. 
First of all, congratulations on the move to AAA. Um, what's been the feeling the first 10 days handling it at this level, and what's the biggest change for you? Yeah, it's been good. Um, I'm just kind of getting settled in. Um, would have liked to start at home, but we started on the road, so uh, on the road for six, and then we got back home um, earlier this week. So just playing in front of the home crowd was, was uh, pretty, pretty special. I mean, uh, especially last night, you know, we were down one nothing in the seventh inning, and a big four-run seventh, and just the, the crowd was really into the, into the game. That was one thing that stood out. And just kind of, just kind of seeing what's going on. It's been, it's been good so far, though. It's a fun environment there for sure. Um, you've also gotten the chance to call guys up, and I know you've done that occasionally in Double A, but you'll get to do it a lot more at Triple A. Did you get to have any fun with either Hunter Wood or or uh, Christian Arroyo when the, when they were told, and and how much uh, you're going to change things up as the season goes on, depending on who that call up is. Yeah, you'd like to do it face-to-face. At times, it's, it's tough. So I, I told Arroyo over the phone, which is every, obviously not very personal, but got to tell Hunter um, last week after we got off the bus, and um, he was actually um, my first player I've ever told to go to the big leagues. And I was in double-A um, last year, so I was hmm. the first person last year and then the first person this year. So, yeah, no, he told me, yeah, Brady, you're going to be the – First manager to tell me and the last manager to tell me. So hopefully that works out. Hopefully he stays up there and has a, has a long career. So that'd be fun. You know, you guys have gotten an adjustment this year so far uh, with the the major league baseballs being used in AAA for the first time. I know you've seen it on rehab assignments. Uh, it looks like it's played well for the hitters, not as well for the pitching so far. Yes, that's uh, fair to say. It's, um, it's definitely noticeable. Um, wasn't quite sure coming in what, what you're going to see, but – Obviously, our first series in Charlotte, it was about 15 home runs hit. So, um, it's a lot of balls hit hard. And when they, when they get out to that outfield, they, they don't really slow down. They, they keep going. Um, and it's definitely noticeable. It's going to be an adjustment for, our, for the pitchers, pitchers in this league. Uh, but I think the hitters up to this point are happy, are happy with the ball. <laughs> I would say the guy who's probably most happy, and I try not to read too much into small sample sizes, but um, I know what kind of start Jay Cronenworth had last year, and now he's gone the opposite way this year. What's different since you had him in Double A? I think confidence is is a big part of that. Um, you know, when when he started the way he did last year, and he, he fought through it, and he and grinded out the whole year, and, and ended up actually having a pretty decent season. I think just coming into this year, he knew that he had gone through some some ups and downs. That he's 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 uh, he's confident in himself as a hitter and. It's showing. I mean, he's having really good at bats from day one. Um, obviously, the first series was pretty special. I think he, I think he hit like 700 in four mm-hmm. games. So uh, he really hasn't slowed down a whole lot. He's still he's still having good at bats. Not quite as hot as he was first series, but big hit last night to break the game open for us uh, to tie it up in the seventh, and then um, end up winning it uh, later on. But really happy for him, and it's uh, it's fun to watch him right now. And another guy who maybe a little bit less heralded um, was in big league camp this year for the first time, non-drafted free agent. I know you like a lot, Mike Brasso. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of a kind. Uh, he's got a big personality and a really good player, to, to say the least. So I think that kind of helps him um, just kind of relax a little bit. Um, but he's got he's got that chip on his shoulder, which is I think helps him a lot. Where he's out to prove that you know. You, I should have been drafted. Should have been a high draft pick. But he just goes out and plays hard, and uh, the production kind of shows. There are a couple other guys I want to touch on. Um, you had uh, Nick Solak all of last year. He also seemingly has gotten off to a pretty good start. 
Is there any change in the way he is so far this year, um, offensively, defensively? Yeah, I think a little. I mean, he's a little, obviously a year older. I think he's he worked on some fundamental stuff this winter defensively, which is shown at second base. Uh, he's still, I think, working his his way out in the outfield. Um, offensively, he put on probably about 10, 10 pounds, maybe maybe fifteen. Uh, looks stronger. He's hitting the ball harder. Uh, I still think that his approach is pretty similar to what it was last year. Um, and now it's just kind of fine tuning that, and maybe maybe. Uh, uh, shorten up a little bit at the plate. And you were around Nate Lowe, obviously, when he was at his best last year. Um, he still hit the home run ball. He's still drawing walks the first couple weeks. Maybe he hasn't had the best results, but you see him day to day. What have you seen so far from Nate? Uh, up to this point, he's had some good at bats. I, I still think at times he's in between right now. Uh, he's getting pitched pretty tough. You know, a lot of fastballs in, you know, soft stuff away. So he's kind of. Uh, it's been tough for him to, to get into any kind of groove. But I think for him, just kind of getting getting back on the fastball um, and getting maybe a little bit more aggressive. I feel like he's been a little passive at the plate at times this season. He's getting behind the count. Uh, so hopefully he can get back to that today, a little more aggressive and getting back on the fastball. One of the pitchers who has had success, and it's, again, small sample size, but he's new to the organization. He came over in the Yandy Diaz trade. Cole Sulcer was a guy that I know Kevin was impressed with in spring. What have you seen? Yeah, a couple outings. He's done a nice job. You know, I think his his, his fastball is what his, his big pitch is. A lot of a uh, lot of high strikeout guy. Um, so far, he's so far so, so far so good. I mean, he's 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 competed well. Uh, small sample size, but I like what I see. And Emilio Pagan is a guy I know has major league experience that I think the Rays are certainly hoping can help them at some point. Yeah, he's done a nice job. He's, I would say he's the one guy in the bullpen that kind of stands out up to this point. Um, you know, fastball's 94, 96, but so it's a big curveball, big slider, but he's, he's throwing strikes. He's getting ahead of hitters. Uh, he's tough to hit when he's hitting these ahead, and it's been fun to watch because he's coming in and in key situations and attacking the hitters, and, and uh, he's having a lot of success up to this point. Brady, we appreciate some time. I know you got to get on the field. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. And that is the Rays' AAA manager in Brady Williams. Well, at the major league level, the Rays have a bit of a new look this year. They have a full-time mental skills coach. His name is Justin Sua. He had been with the Browns in the NFL. In fact, he's still doing work there. He's also been with the Red Sox organization. I asked Justin first, since he lives in the Bradenton area, how uh, joining the Rays came about. Yeah, it was just uh, it was just the way the process works in, in any with professional baseball, when the season was over, I, Eric reached out to uh, to the to the Red Sox and and asked for the opportunity to interview and had the chance to sit down with with Eric and Cash and to meet Q and and um, as we, I live in Bradenton and we talked about they shared with me what they were looking for they shared for, with me uh, the culture they're created and as I as I listen to the passion of of Cash and hear the the great environment that's been created here and the amazing players and and their their willingness to to engage in mental skills training i knew this was the place where we needed to be how um different is it from what you've done previously yeah the thing the thing i love about mental skills training is is 
we're all humans. Everyone has uh, things that work for them, things that don't work for them, uh, being able to control our breathing and control our focus. Um, in terms, of, And there are different, different variables that differentiate one population from another, even one team from another, pitchers versus hitters. But ultimately here with Tampa, what I have loved right, off the, right on the outset is this culture of learning that Cash has created, this culture of wanting to get better and, and not leaving any stone unturned. And so the 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 embrace embracing the mental skills training whether it be simple mental minutes with the with the pitching staff or the hitters or or the team sessions um it's been it's been an absolute blast and so the one thing that really jumps out to me is the openness to learning more about the mental skills you've worked in the nfl you've worked in major league baseball and you also have a military background too so how do you kind of combine those in terms of breaking through with different athletes and and how does that help you yeah i think a lot of times with mental skills uh there's this uh, not so much now, but it's a lot back in the day, there was this negative stigma. When you hear mental skills or sports psychology, back in the days, people were thinking, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy because that must mean I'm messed up. But the cool role about my job and my education is performance psychology. So I like to say I'm the strength and conditioning coach for the mind. So I don't, the, the phrase is you don't have to be sick to get better. And so I don't work with athletes who, there's nothing wrong with them necessarily. This is how can I focus a little more? How can I quiet my mind a little more? How can I create routines to be able to help me be more present? So they're very um, uh, proactive strategies to enhance performance. And so that's one of the things that's been been neat. First thing I do when I walk into a new organization or new team is understand the culture and to understand and to respect the players who are here and the staff who's here. They're already doing things that are, that makes them really successful. And my one of my jobs is to help shine a light on it create some awareness to it hey helping them uh not even helping them but in helping them helping myself understand how they're doing things on purpose with purpose and that's number one is really observing watching and listening uh to, to how they go about their process both systemically as an organization and individually as a person and you've got to build individual relationships with players coaches too how long does it take normally for you to build trust because I'm sure that's the biggest part of building a relationship and helping a player grow. Absolutely. It, it, it depends on the person. And so sometimes the trust is immediate and sometimes it does take a while. And that is something I, I respect a lot. Uh, baseball in particular is a, a little bit easier for me compared to the military football for the sole reason that I played baseball. And my father played for the Dodgers and the Brewers organizations. I grew up in clubhouses. I, uh, I know what it's like, not at the major league level, but to be on a pitcher's mound and to feel pressure. I understand the vernacular, the language um, a lot better. I've never, I've never had a helmet on as a football player. I've never been in the battlefield. And so that took a lot more, a lot longer to create that trust but uh but this is um it, it does take a little while but as i'm here and engaging and i'm not walking around trying to ask him hey how's your mental toughness today or what's your confidence like today we're talking about families and food and movies and music and just to show them that hey I'm, I'm another person another resource in your corner and a person who cares about you as not just as a player but as a person and to give fans an idea are you spending how much time are you going to spend here with them and then how much you know i, I guess when the race had ken revisa there'll be guys who might call him 
him or or how much of that will go on in addition to what you're doing on site yes uh, on site i'm going to be here quite a bit um, more ken revisa a uh, uh, rest in peace ken it was, it was a dear friend of mine a mentor of mine who came um uh, occasionally i'm going to be here a lot <laughs> i would just say uh, a lot not every single day but the great majority of the time and you hit the nail on the head a lot of times and then i'm open to phone calls or text messages or facetime that's just this generation a lot of times it is um they feel more comfortable texting or calling and um and yeah just always available very close going to be here quite quite a bit and you mentioned the culture how open have the players been it's early and obviously they're having success and you'll sometimes travel you'll sometimes meet them other how open have they been through the course of spring training and the start of the season to listening and ideas yeah well really the They've been open to sharing their stories and their journeys. What's really neat about starting things off is just I start from a clean slate and uh, just kind of understanding their process and their journeys. There's very little teaching going on right now, very little uh, here, listen to this and learn from me. It's it's a very organic, collaborative process where it's where I'll ask questions and, hey, what's worked for you? Tell me about your pre-year process. Tell me about what you do when adversity strikes. And, and a lot of times, just like any of us, when you start talking about your process, you kind of, you're teaching yourself. And so a lot of times it's unlike the minor leagues. The minor leagues, when you get a new player into the, in pro baseball, you do a lot of teaching where it's like, hey, here's this and here's mindfulness, here's routines. By the time they get to this level, it's they've done a lot already. Uh, they're older, more mature, married with children. And so it's, it's, a, it's a less shove it down your throat approach and a more collaborative, hey, let's chat, let's talk. And, uh, but it's been, it, you speak, it's been early, but it's been wonderful. This organization has, has been, been great. But it is a younger group than let's say you had in Boston. So how, how different is that aspect? And is that the biggest change? Yeah, I think that is, that is one of the biggest change. Yeah, you have a lot of veterans. And when I was with the Boston Red Sox, primarily working with the AAA, Yes, we had some of those guys go up to the big leagues and uh, and the, and the minor leagues. But you're right. Uh, when you have more established veterans who are, uh, I don't want to say stuck in their ways, but who know what they want and how to do it, less malleable. Um, however, but even then, still there, uh, being able to highlight and help them highlight and identify what they do. Because sometimes just in sport and baseball, it's a long season when we, we struggle we begin to forget the things and we go searching. And so I always tell my people, tell people I'm a professional noticer and reminder. That's it. I just, I'm, I'm a, I notice. And then I remind guys through, through, uh, through questions and help them remind themselves of, of how to get back on track track and what works best for them. Well, welcome aboard and good luck in reminding guys of the right path to continue on this year. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And that is the Rays' mental skills coach, Justin Sua. Willie Adamas already has credited him with some help this season. So we appreciate his time, and I'm sure he's going to be very impactful on this Rays team in 2019. Thanks to him and all of our guests on the program today, Director of Minor League Operations, Mitch Lukovich, for giving us kind of an overview of the Rays system. Brady Williams, the manager in Durham, about his first call-ups this season. Mark Hopkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Hopefully you are reading him and reading his Sunday Rays tales. Really good look at what the Rays could have been and what they are right now, which is pretty darn good at 11-4. and four. And also nice to chat with Rodney Linares, the Rays' new third-base coach and also an infield instructor about his adjustment to joining his new organization in his first time in the major leagues. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me 
at Neil Solon's. Hey, the Rays Rookies Kids Club presented by Outback Steakhouse has returned for 2019 for just $10. Kids receive a ticket to every Sunday home game, a Rays snapback hat, exclusive offers, and a ticket to a Tampa Bay Rowdies home match. All you can do is sign up at RaysBaseball.com slash Race rookies. Next week, we sit down with opener Ryan Stanek, and also we'll be joined by Brian Kenny of MLB Network. For my producer, Derek DuBose, Neil Solon saying stay tuned. The pregame show's next on the Race Baseball Network.